Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball. 52 weeks out of the year, there is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the first day of September 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. I'm back in the Pasadena studio today. So that's... uh, I have that going for me. Hey, guess what, folks? Guess what? It is September. It is September. Now, if you know me and you understand the way I think, and I know I do, you know that if I had my druthers, this would be the final weekend of the regular season. That... The this is really for I mean kids are already in school but this is kind of like the last if not in terms of the rotation of the earth just psychologically this is when summer is psychologically over we're in September it's Labor Day weekend football is starting up you know it's the time when everything that we associate with the summer has died down and yet there's still a full more month of baseball I personally, have no compunction of shortening the season to 154 games, squeezing a couple double headers in there, starting the season in the middle of March, and having it end on Labor Day weekend. I'm not even against shortening the season to 140 games. You know, for those of you who keep some of the records so precious in terms of lifetime home runs, wins, and all those other things, it would make those records be preserved for a lot longer. Now, wouldn't they? And let's face it, people complain that there are too many games and it last for too long. Well, maybe, just maybe, there'll be fewer injuries and there'll be more, you know fewer teams breaking down. I don't know. I like baseball how it is, but I like baseball and I'll be able to adjust whatever way it is. But we still got about a month to go. There's the only real drama in the American League right now. Unless Seattle goes on an absolute rampage and Oakland goes on a monumental collapse, or Houston for that matter, we pretty much know who's in the playoffs. The Red Sox magic number is 20 in honor of Kevin Euclid as I'm recording this. The Yankees are currently winning in their game against Detroit. So I'm, I'm going to assume the Yankees are going to win that. But anyway, the, the Red Sox are going... There's going to be some combination of Yankee wins and Red Sox losses that equal 20 between now and the end of the season that will make the Red Sox the division champs. They, they, they haven't even played Saturday's game as I'm recording this, and they've already matched the win total of the 2016 and 2017 division champs. I think that's an improvement. Uh, the Yankees are obviously having a wonderful season, despite what people think, and despite some of the holes they have on their team. I mean, Aroldis Chapman may not be back. Aaron Judge may not be back. Their lineup's not that good without Judge, and their bullpen is not that great without the anchor of Chapman. So the lineup and the bullpen, which have been their absolute perfect uh, pieces of you know their, their hopes for October, are, don't look that strong right now. The only real drama, and Cleveland has the division all wrapped up, and they're going to win 90-some-odd games, and they're going to win the division by 13, 14 games. The only real drama in the American League is uh, Houston and Oakland 
as of right now, two games in the loss column separate the two. Uh, and I, I do believe Houston's going to win, but only because they have that slight edge right now. In two days, it could be tied. And then by definition, it's a coin toss. So I, you know the Yankees don't want to play a one-game playoff facing Justin Verlander. And the Yankees versus the A's would actually be the most evenly matched wild card because they both have flawed rotations. It's only one game. Uh, they, they both have their strength, their, both their bullpen, so the Yankees' bullpen is not much of a strength right now. I would give the edge to the A's lineups, but it's only one game. Kansas City could beat the Red Sox in one game. So uh, you know they don't want to face Verlander and a, and a pissed-off Astros team. Now, we're going down the stretch right now. This is it. This is the final leg. This is where it's not, it's the final sixths of the season that we have. And the National League is still an absolute scrum. The Cubs losing the other day. Uh, they're the only team that I think has a division more or less locked. But then again, it's only four games in the loss column. They could, if they go on a losing streak, who knows? Everything else is up in the air. Is it going to be Philadelphia versus or Atlanta? Is is St. Louis, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, the runner-up in the East, L.A., Colorado? It's all a scrum right now, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We've got great players. We've got we've got an exciting home stretch coming about, and I tell you what, team gets it. You know what team gets it? Gets what's going on big time. And I've mentioned this before. The Brewers get it. The Brewers get what's going on here. The Milwaukee Brewers, since the 1982 World Series, a topic that I will return to at one point in today's episode. Just hang on. The Brewers have not been in the World Series since 1982. Only twice have they been in the postseason since 1982. In 2008, they were a wildcard team, and they lost to Philadelphia in four games. And in 2011, they won the division series in a very, very tight series uh, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and then lost a frustrating National Championship Series in six games in a slugfest to the upstart Cardinals, who went on to win the World Series that year. And that's the closest they've been to the World Series since 1982. The Brewers are taking a look at this National League, and they're saying that there's no dominant team. We have a shot. We absolutely have a shot. This was a talented team last year that led the National League Central for a big chunk of the season and weren't eliminated until the final weekend of the year by Colorado. I actually picked them to win the National League Central. Uh, I, I thought they were a talented team who inserted uh, Lorenzo Cain and inserted Christian Yelich. And we've all seen what Christian Yelich has done recently. He's unbelievable. I mean, besides just hitting for the cycle in that game the other day, his, you know, he's putting up big-time numbers. Or I, I just clicked on the wrong player. My baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. You know when you, you're clicking on something... And the page is refreshing, and your your cursor is on what you're going to click on, and then you click on it, but then the the screen finishes its its uh, refreshing, and everything's moved up slightly, so you've clicked on the wrong thing now. That just happened to your pal Sully. I can't say I'm really thrilled that that's what happened to your pal Sully, 
But let's go to Christian Yelich right now. I'm going to his page on BaseballReference.com. And since coming over from the trade from the Marlins in the offseason, he's had a terrific year. But for his last 14 days, uh, his OPS is 1.342. And he's been slugging 898 in the, over the last two weeks. And in the second half of the season, the last 38 games, you like batting average, he's batting 366. You like on base percentage, he's batting 409. You like slugging, his slugging is 750 since the All Star break. And uh, his OPS is over 1.1. I mean, he is having a phenomenal second half of the season. And, you know, Lorenzo Cain has been a terrific pickup for him. And basically, in all facets of the game, you know, power, speed, you like average, you like on base, he's doing it all. Um, and they have looked up and they said, look, at, there's, this is a winnable season. And so they've been, you know, they have uh, Aguilar who's having a wonderful season. Braun is basically their fourth outfielder right now, which is amazing. And they went out, they got Jonathan Scope, boom. They got Mike Moustakas, boom. What else can we do? And they have been the mo- with after the waiver wire deadline. They brought in Gio Gonzalez. They brought in Curtis Granderson. They brought in uh, Xavier Cedeno from the White Sox. They're just picking up everything, knowing that they don't need Curtis Granderson to be an All Star. They just need to have a decent month. Gio Gonzalez, give us a decent month. You know, who knows? Gio Gonzalez could flop or what, but just stick him in there. Quite frankly, I can't believe the A's didn't make didn't acquire him, and I can't believe the Red Sox didn't pick up another reliever. But the Brewers are like, all right, you know, I remember some people who were when they had acquired um Moustakis were surprised they also acquired Scope. And so why not? Because you don't know. When it's all going to unfold and the National League will be this wide open. The Brewers could be the visiting team in the wild card and, like the Giants in 2014, find themselves in the World Series. And so let's just look at Let's just fill as many holes as we can. Get that spackle. Get that spackle and just fill it. Plug a player here. Plug a player there. See what we got. And if you're a Milwaukee Brewer fan, you should be over the moon right now. Absolutely over the moon. For, for First of all, because you had a summer. There were a lot of summers, especially in the 90s and the 2000s, where if you're a Milwaukee Brewer fan, there was nothing to cheer for. Especially after Yount retired and Molitor wound up being on Toronto and Minnesota. Uh, there was not much to cheer for. A Jeremy Burnitz there, a Greg Vaughn here, but most of the time, piddly poo, nothing much. And it's funny that the the two other times that Milwaukee has made it to the postseason since the days of Yount and and Cecil Cooper and all of them, the. Brewers made a, oh, hell, let's go for it kind of move. Bringing in Sabathia to finish off the season in 2008 basically put them over the top. 
making the trade with Kansas City to bring in Zach Grinke in 2011, that was also a move that was like, yeah, okay, let's go do this thing. And so in this one, they made the moves in the offseason, bringing in Kane and Yelich, but just constantly saying, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? That's a front office that understands the sense of urgency. What happens with a franchise like the Milwaukee Brewers, as fair or unfair as it may be, is the opportunities to get the pennant aren't there all the time. So when you get a chance, and yeah, they play a one-game playoff. Right now they play a one-game playoff with St. Lou. If they win that, then they face the Cubs. Now, the Cubs are a franchise that's also made a couple of big, really smart moves that have paid off so far. Bringing in Cole Hamels, bringing in Daniel Murphy has worked for Chicago thus far. And if the Brew Crew wind up losing to the Cubs, I'm sure that would be a kick to the groin. Absolutely. Fox would love it. Fox wants to see the World Series be the Cubs versus the Red Sox or the Yankees. I'll tell you what they don't want to see. They don't want to see welcome to the 2018 World Series between the Oakland Athletics and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Even though, do you know what? That'd be a really good World Series. Just as a baseball fan. A's Diamondbacks would be great. A's Brewers probably wouldn't rake them in. But do you know what? That'd be entertaining as hell if, you know, you liked baseball. Which I'm not 100% sure Fox does. They'd probably complain about it. But, you're a Brewer fan. You had a generation of nothing going on. If the Brewers win, if the Brewers get to the World Series, which is all the Brewers have ever done in their history, they got to the World Series once. If they get to the World Series, this would be the greatest moment in generations for this team. And they understand that. Now, they can't make any moves they make from now on. That player cannot be included on the postseason roster. But do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if there were teams that say, ah, heck, we're out of it, and maybe we can get, I don't know, a bologna sandwich and a bag of chips for this player. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Brewers continue to sort of say, do you know what? Even if we can't use this guy in the postseason, let's shove him in there. Because a game here or a game there is going to be the difference between Colorado, Arizona, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Atlanta. One, uh, uh, some combination of those teams are going to be on the outside looking in. Because only five get in. And I think the Cubs are pretty secure that they're going to get in. So four teams out of the scrum are looking around on September 1st going like, are we in? Are we in? I don't know. You could get to that final weekend. And a game here or a game there could be the difference. And the Brewers know that. And maybe, just maybe, in a game at one point, a hit by Curtis Granderson's the difference. A start by Gio Gonzalez is the difference. Or a start by Gio Gonzalez that allows you to not waste the bullpen could be the difference. A Mike Moustakis hit. A Jonathan Scope double. Something could be the difference. You could say, do you know what? If we didn't trade that player... Trade for that player. We wouldn't have this. But Sally, you can't predict on it to shut up. Maybe, just maybe, there's also a psychological 
advantage of saying, hey, we're in it and our ownership believes in us. Our ownership is investing money and prospects and time to say, do you know what? Go for it. In fact, we're going to give you some reinforcements. What that might mean to a franchise like the Milwaukee Brewers could be gigantic. Or it could just be a boost. could just make you feel good. Hey, we won last night, and holy crap, Curtis Granderson's my teammate now. That's cool. Oh, man, we won, but our arms are a little bit tired out. But hey, we got Gio Gonzalez. Holy crap. Is that going to be the difference between winning or losing? I don't know. A lot of things, a bounce here or a bounce there, is the difference between one game or not. So make sure if that ball's bouncing around, you got the best team out there. Now, I talked, I, I hinted about the fact that baseball doesn't know how to promote itself unless it's something easy, like the Cubs versus the Red Sox or the Yankees. The Brewers getting the World Series should be a great story. It should be. But the universal point of view of it will be, oh God, it's the Brewers, small market team, what do we do? Something you don't see in other sports because you can promote a you know, the stars and the game that they get it. This promotion of, hey, they're young, good, exciting players on the Brewers. Have you seen them? They're, this A's team is as fun as hell. There are electric players playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Colorado Rockies are playing a thrilling brand of baseball. And yet, if I said any of those teams are going to win their pennants and be in the World Series, the prevailing thoughts would be what a nightmare that would be for Fox and television. And I do think a big reason is there's a certain laziness that comes around when it comes to marketing. How do we market something that isn't already pre-marketed? It's with the superhero syndrome. It's like, well, we could you know, market a new, clever, original film, or we can put Spider-Man's face on a poster, and everyone's like, oh, holy crap, it's Spider-Man, I'm going to go see Spider-Man. As opposed to, here's a nice, good, thoughtful film that could be exciting, could be funny, could be thrilling, could be uh, 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 romantic, whatever it is. Oh, God, that takes time. It's easier just to see... Uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man are both in this movie. No kidding. All right. The A's versus the Rockies. Two unlikely underdog teams filled with exciting players and veterans out for their big chance to finally win. Two unlikely teams battling off. How's that? Oh, God. Those two franchises, how do we market them? I just told you. Oh, just why can't it be the Yankees or Red Sox versus the Cubs or the Dodgers? I mean, that's, that's easy to do. Laziness is part of it. And there's also... A factor, a curmudgeon factor that exists in baseball that I don't know exists in other sports. I don't follow other sports to the extent that I know the play-by-play and the commentators as well as I do in baseball. But it seems to me you've lived your life like a candle in the wind. And it also seems to me that the NBA 
is quite good at promoting their stars, that the NBA is quite good at letting people know that the people that they're watching now belong in the same conversation with the great players of the past. Oh, you'll hear people say, don't you dare compare LeBron to this or that or the other thing. But I do believe they promote their players. They promote the sport. At least the, the limited that I've seen. I have no clue what the NFL is like. I, I don't recall the last time I sat down and watched and listened to an NFL broadcast. You know, hockey is just always trying to gather fans who aren't the diehard fans. But baseball is unique in a way that they have a relationship with their uh, the comedy, the commentators, the play-by-play announcers are so integral to the personality of the team. And how often are those personalities old guys who seem to complain about anything new, anything modern, anything that isn't exactly what they had? Essentially, it's, oh, God, in my day, we didn't do this, and that was better. And let me tell you something. There are a few things in the world that make me roll my eyes faster than in my day. I've made that clear. In my day, no one cares. No one cares about your day. And it wasn't necessarily better because, do you know what? In your day, do you know what was happening? There was an old curmudgeon saying that your day stinks. So, I'm not a big fan of just saying everything new is bad, everything you know, old was good. I mean, you can't, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are, you know, I'm not one of them, but there are a lot of people who enjoy analyzing baseball in terms of sabermetrics and, and analytics. I, I, I'm not one of those people. But And I probably was someone who poo-pooed it for a while, but I realized, hey, that's a valid way to enjoy the game, and obviously front offices are using it to their advantage. Try listening to one Yankee game, ever, where John Sterling doesn't crap all over analytics and start saying things like, well, you know, they, they, they say all these charts, but you know what? It comes down to what happens on the field. I mean, you take all those numbers and it happens what happens on the field. You know, take all those numbers away, which is a ridiculous thing to say. Because even if you are just using traditional numbers, it's not like, well, I can't judge who I'm going to put on the lineup because it just depends what happens on the field. So, Babe Ruth, um, you're sitting today because I know you have these numbers, but I don't know what's going to happen on the field. People always use numbers to judge the value of a player. People are learning that some of the metrics that were used in the past to judge an individual player's merits may not be as reliable. And that's what you find out over time. Hey, we were doing it this way, but find out that there's another more reliable way to do it. Why wins are no longer a great metric for establishing how good a pitcher is throwing. You know, that, that Jacob deGrom is struggling to get a single win. He's still, I believe he still trails Sonny Gray in the win total, even though he's having the best year of any pitcher. RBIs are based, and RBIs and runs are based upon 
your performance mixed with other people's performance. And if you get five hits, but nobody's on base, you haven't driven in a run. If the bases are low and you get hit by a pitch, you've driven in a run. Who has had the more productive day? It's how you understand things. But, oh, man, uh, these newfangled stats. I've A level of, in my day, happened today that was so bizarre and so surreal that I'm wondering if someone hacked into someone's Twitter account. That was how weird it was. And it was from someone who... I'm a fan of Jim Cott. Jim Cott, as a color commentator, is talented. He's got a great set of pipes, had a very, very long career, and um, and, and is very knowledgeable. But on Twitter, always a dangerous place for old people to go to is Twitter. He wrote a surreal tweet today that, to me, points out part of the problem of In My Day and a larger problem that has to do with how baseball puts itself together. Jim Cott wrote, at uh, Cott Jim on Twitter, Please forgive my cynicism, but the only team about many MLB teams now is the Laundry. Proud to be a member of the 1965 Twins and 82 Cardinals. Both of us went to the World Series without using a player from outside the organization. Real teams, real baseball, earned our ring, didn't buy it. It's funny, I don't buy this tweet because it is factually untrue. You can be cynical, but be factual with your cynical. He wrote in caps, went to the World Series without using a single player from outside the organization. Now, uh, I will say to you, Jim Cott, I can name one player that the Cardinals got from outside the organization. Do do you know who it was? You! Jim Cott! By definition, you came up through the Washington Senators who moved to the Minnesota Twins. You played for the Phillies and and the Yankees, and then you came to the Cardinals. You came from outside the organization. The final pitch of the 1982 World Series was thrown by Bruce Souter, who the Cardinals acquired from the Chicago Cubs. It was caught by the World Series MVP, Daryl Porter, who was acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers. Willie McGee was the rookie star on that team who was acquired as a minor leaguer from the New York Yankees. George Hendrick was the starting right fielder who came up through the Oakland A's organization. Lonnie Smith was the starting left fielder and the star player on that team who was acquired from the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Gene Tennis gave the team a veteran bat in the lineup who was a World Series MVP with the Oakland A's and played for the San Diego Padres. The big ace on the team was Joaquin Andujar, who they acquired from the Houston Astros. Dave LaPointe, Doug Bear. Do I have to go on? This team was loaded with players who were brought in from other organizations. Ozzie Smith, the, all, the, the All-Star Hall of Famer, that was his first year with the team after being acquired from the San Diego Padres. And this is one of the voices that people hear for baseball. 
is someone being a get-off-my-lawn moment. In my day, we were a team. We didn't buy it. We were a real team. Yeah, you bought it. You bought the team. You bought it. You acquired players from other organizations, as people have done forever. Going back to the days of Babe Ruth, who was acquired from Boston. But when you have in my, this is the greatest example I've ever seen about someone pining for their days. In our days, it was better. We earned it. We were a team. Jim, what in the holy... I'm trying to watch my language. But what the fuck are you talking about? You were you were factually inaccurate. You are one of the people that makes that statement wrong. That's me saying, like, I can't stand these people named Sullivan. You never see me with a name like Sullivan. What's your name? Paul Sullivan. What happened? And maybe, just maybe, amongst the many things, including not promoting teams filled with good young players, keeping people from watching their home teams and blacking them out on the MLB device and making it harder to get people to watch their teams than making it easier. And then when you finally do get to watch a team, the voices you hear are complaining about the product on the field. If you went to the movies, let's say, what's some hit movies that came out this year? A Black Panther or... Uh, Avengers Infinity War. I liked both of those films. I really did. I liked Black Panther a lot. I thought Infinity War was fun as hell. Now imagine you see that movie and like you're like in, in Los Angeles they have what are called the Arclight Theaters and they have people come out at the beginning of the movie series. We're about to start Black Panther. Please turn your cell phones off. Uh, we're going to have some previews. Thank you very much. Let us know if there's any problem. Imagine if the movie began... And that person came out and said, you're going to watch Black Panther. I mean, I mean, it's no Raiders of the Lost Ark. In fact, when I watched movies, we had our Ghostbusters. We had our Christopher Reeve Superman. We had Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This, I don't know. It's not that great. And then when the movie was over, they came down and said, yeah, um, that was Black Panther. Kind of a waste of time, don't you think? And you're thinking, oh, I thought it was pretty good. Now, come on, in, in my day... In my day, we had John Carpenter's The Thing. Show me one minute of that that was as good as John Carpenter's The Thing. Go, get out of here. Like, oh, I don't know. I kind of liked it. Now it was better before. That's what baseball does. They have the grumpy jerk from the comic book store going, you know, the, the, the Star Trek was ruined the minute the the second episode came out. You know, the, even the people who, like, complain, you know. The only good Star Wars film was the holiday special. The rest are garbage. And then you that's the person Mystery Science Theatering baseball right now is, in my day, we were a team. We didn't bring in people from other organizations. No, we got together and we were one team. Uh, Jim, that, this is not about opinions at this point. You're, you're wrong. Maybe baseball should focus on pointing their attention at promoting their young stars and their exciting teams other than the obvious ones. And I don't know, having a voice or two 
narrating the game that likes what they're seeing. What I'm saying is, I'm available. And if you want me to be the voice of the World Series or whatever, here's what you do. You can go to SullyBaseball.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, on Instagram where my handle is SullyBaseballPodcast. You could be old school. You could send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. And you could note that the music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Looking at the state of baseball, realizing it's great, knowing that the Brewers get it, and just wish that someone who participated in the World Series, the last World Series the Brewers participated in, 82, Jim Cott, wish that he remembered that he played on a couple teams before the Cardinals, just saying. This has been Sully Baseball for September 1st, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do you know what you can do when I'm calling the World Series? You can call me Sully.